Hola gente, allá afuera en, la, en Podcast Land somos tus, uh, aquí tus paneles somos los, no, el título del grupo es uh, No Tus Operadores Promedios y aquí estoy con mis dos amigos, uh, los dos putos, este, uh, Melón y Miguel, uh, como ustedes saben son, son un poco de, de maricas uh, y Miguel, ¿cómo estás tú? En, en la playa de Virginia. That has confused the shit out of a lot of people right now. They're like, I heard the music and the laser beams and the chick talking about your average operator and what the shit? I've downloaded the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, guys. For all the listeners, I, I went free cop. And just for you, I'm sure the listeners are probably doing the translation. And just for you guys right now listening, um, I was just complimenting these two guys, just talking about how good it was to see them yeah i'm sure you were buddy <laughs> don't don't believe duolingo duolingo is lying to you well like no shit it is really good to see you mate you know we ha like legit have missed you we know you've been uh working really hard tirelessly getting very little time off and obviously that time has not synced up with uh time we've had off but it's freaking great to see you man Ah, dude, likewise, man. I feel like I, it's only been a month, but it feels so much longer just because uh, there's been so much travel in between. There's been a lot, like, not just me personally, but, like, there's been a lot of movement for you guys, too, the McFaddens. Uh, and then, Mike, you've been crazy busy with work and school. And, I mean, it's just there's been a lot going on. So it just feels like, for some reason, in the back of my mind, it feels like it could be six months, but I know it's been condensed down to a month. But that's just because we're a bunch of, you know, go-getters. We go and we get. There was, there was another there was another collective noun i almost heard after he said we're a bunch of something <laughs> almost what about something on i'll either see on thursday or tuesday i can't remember how that one goes <laughs> no it's Raph, it, we're we're talking about this kind of catching up and you know where, where he's at it's very hot and everything we're just talking about hey man what have you been up to for a month because we literally have just chatted here and there uh, just injects when we're talking about the show or you know what's going on with all the travel and uh he didn't disappoint the first time i've seen him in almost a month he's talking about how hot it is and he's in a nice uh blue plaid shirt long sleeve and i'm like of course that doesn't make sense you know but that's that's the beauty of it that's that's great having him back because he's the guy that brings the the nonsense approach to everything and that's why we love them yeah hey raf where's that. your mesh hat where's your hat show us uh I, the trucker hat is literally hanging over my bed and i deliberately shaved so you guys wouldn't razz me about it i was tired <laughs> of getting the team america i want look i want to be respected on this show and i just felt like until i held that beard i wasn't going to get any of it i think that's a good <laughs> I think that's a good angle. I, I, I think you're probably already catching shit from the people you work with and you just, you know, they, 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 they said what they had to and you took care of it and now you're just using it. As a yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll leave in their dirty dishes with you to clean with a steel. I will weld it to your face. <laughs> I'm a liked here, guys. I need some respect. Yeah. Uh, it's like sometimes, you know, it's like I wish this thing was a video, but then a lot of the viewers really 
they, <laughs> when you have the Steeler will weld it to the face when you're in when you're in their full <laughs> undercover mo mode. It is something that they don't want to see. Uh. <laughs> uh, hey, on the real though, um, the last three episodes have been amazing. Um, the two with Mike and his brother, I I've thought. I mean, no BS, man. I thought. And obviously, I wrote about it, and I on it. I just felt like I have to say it. I thought it was. I, I don't know why. I didn't know what to. I just as soon as I thought, oh, they're going to talk about stuff, and and this is me completely being transparent. I thought I would be able to predict the conversation, and I was blown away with how within five minutes, like everything that was coming, I was like, wow, I didn't expect any of this, and I just thought it was a really great episode. And obviously, when you two see you next Tuesdays, got together again. Um, and have your little banter was actually I I was laughing because you know obviously I'm privy to most of the back jokes. <laughs> I, like I, I just want to chime in there as well, Raph. Like that having the privilege of listening to Jeremy and Mike riff off each other and a bit of banter and childhood, all that whole thing all brothers do, and then where those two conversations went as grown men, combat veterans who freaking love each other coming together talking about something that the two of those understand intimately just an extraordinary thing to witness like oh it's an absolute privilege to have listened to that let alone to to, to know mike you know what i think i i, I really appreciate it the the compliments but I, I was kind of thinking since i haven't seen raf in like a month you know i went back to when was it november time frame my grandmother passed away and i i had to miss a show for a week and I didn't know what you guys were going to talk about. And I was just kind of like, man, like, what are they going to do? What are they going to talk about? So I was like kind of out of the loop. And then I was tuning in as a listener to our show and I didn't know what to expect. And I don't know, it just, I appreciated it more. And it kind of felt like I was still around, even though it was like a little over a week. But like for you, Raph, I mean, you're over there in the box and, you know, we haven't talked that much or whatever. So hopefully listening to, you know, my brother and I and, and me and Mel and, you know, kind of like took you away for a little bit because I know it did for me when I sat there and I'm like listening to stuff back home or what's going on. So it's pretty neat. Well, you know, it did because I told you that because uh, I normally have this routine, you know, because it's so hot where I'm at. But I usually try to, you know, minimize my exposure to the sun for about 30 minutes. I was out there for 54 minutes listening to the whole thing. So I was on the roof. So there might be one or two little glitches during the episode because old Tio is literally not downtown in LA or in the West and they get, they get glitches. So if, it drop, if it drops out, literally just bear with us. Cause it's a legit interruption we're dealing with here. Yeah. It's not your older brother downloading too many movies from that Dutch website that he keeps using. <laughs> go, go ahead then Raf. You were just saying you were outside was, I think on the roof 54 minutes. Yeah, I was out there 54 minutes and like, I usually try to, you know, cause I go up there and I'll listen to a podcast or I'll do whatever for about 30 minutes, but it was so good. I just didn't want to go back down. I didn't want, and trust me, I was burning up. I was like, God damn, it's hot. But it was just such a good episode. I was just so, it was awesome, man. I just felt like, like you said, it was the privilege of like being a listener and hearing it for the first time, right? Not being involved in that conversation. It was just, it was kind of cool, man. I, and I, that's why I immediately wrote to you as soon as, as soon as I listened to it. Well, truth be told, we didn't miss you at all. And you know, we, <laughs> we didn't want you back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I told the boys uh, before we press record that I actually started my own podcast and I recruited, uh, I mean, similar personalities, but better. <laughs> yeah. So it's impossible. 
We are recruiting uh, new a new minority position. Uh, Raf's new uh, podcast is called Slowpoke Gonzalez Jr. And uh, you can catch him on nothing because he's a complete liar because there is no podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just want to also say, um, I know we mentioned on the last episode uh, that the, the McFadden family are about to, the familiar are about to, jump on a plane sort of under a month now and go over and, and visit the States, which we, we love. We've got a lot of, a lot of people we love there, including family, Cherry's sister. And, uh, you know, we were, we were sad that the time wouldn't overlap with you there, Raph, you know, we freaking love you guys and your family. And I mean, mainly we want to hang out with Orbs and the Bean, you know, but of course, if you were there, we would tolerate it. Yeah. Well, no, I'm glad you brought that up because you're not invited. I spent like as soon as I heard you guys had plans, I, I called Aubrey from the plane, which we're not allowed to do. But I was like, screw it. You know, like just uh, patch patch me through this number. And I said, hey, this is me. Um, don't let them come to the, to the house. I don't want them on the property. I was very explicit. I told her to put the, the fatties on watch. So Dakota and Shiloh are going to be roving patrol to make sure nobody trespasses. You just yeah, saw so, video one morning of, of Melon sleeping in your bed and <laughs> everybody else, Soren's down at the, the bottom of the bed and he's calling him Papa. What, what, what oh, is God. going on here? Oh. <laughs> Melon moves in from Saudi and just becomes a squatter in Washington. <laughs> Listen, it's so if, much funnier if, when that joke's about you, not about me. <laughs> Listen, if Cheza is part of that equation, I think I'm okay with it. <laughs> Hi, Chad. Just, I was trying to segue before he spoke. Raf, how's how's the bean? How's orbs? How's everybody? How are the fatties? Uh, dude, the fatties are well. They're fat. Um, I'm pretty sure Shallow has diabetes, but uh, no, they're living their best life. Uh, the bean is just, dude. He's awesome, man. We probably is he at college now? No, he might as well be. He's uh, he's such a little maniac, dude. He's just he's a fun kid. He like really is a fun kid. Um, he's, he's just a, it's hard to explain on a, on a podcast. Like you just have to be around him for five minutes. He's just, he's a funny kid. Like he does things to try to get people to laugh. He's like a little right. showboat, but, he, but some of the stuff that he does is like legitimate funny. It's not just like cheesy, you know? Mate. And is he got a bit of, is he got a bit of the bilingual? Is that sort of working? Is he well, a bit of Espanol? He, he does. He picks up words and well, he knows a lot of words in Spanish, but obviously when I'm gone, um, he doesn't hear much of it. So, uh, I think ma- English is definitely his, his majority, but we're going to try to change that because, uh, once he turns three, we're going to put him in a Spanish speaking, uh, preschool. So, yeah, nice. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to go free cop, you know, pretty quickly. Well, maybe when he's uh, old enough to decipher what the hell you said at the beginning of this episode, uh, I'd be interested to know what you, what you told us. So yeah we'll have to we'll have to what is it the term circle back we'll have to circle back on that one yeah and aubrey's great in case you guys are wondering yeah yeah Yeah, we talked yesterday she's good (laughs) she is she's she's good she's she's busy she's there's a lot going on on the property right now so not that there is it just are you doing work still, Raf, while you're away, or is it just the usual like seasonal change? Uh, no. So we're we're finishing a kitchen downstairs in the basement, and that's in the final touches. So you know, we ordered some uh, custom cabinetry and uh, some like an island that we had built, and all this other stuff. So all that stuff will be 
installed in a couple of weeks. And then uh, I've got. There's number two. We... Yeah. What's that? Uh, it's just glitching uh, a little bit. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying, you know, we got some cabinets for the downstairs in the kitchen and uh, it's just, there's just a lot going on. And then there's a patio that we're making in the backyard. So we had a contract for that. Um, so I'm, I'm still kind of in the, like, I still talk to people back home, uh, but she's the one that handles all the money and, you know, she's physically there, but I'm doing all the, the project managing, if you will. Yeah. Well, you guys are a bloody hardworking team. There's no doubt about it. She gets after it every bit as much as you do. Freaking yeah. don't, don't uh, waste heartbeats, you guys. Power so uh, do we want to introduce the topic we we're thinking about uh, talking about this week? Do you want to jump in there, Mike? Something sure. Caught your eye, a little poem or a quote. Sure. So throughout the week, I saw this a couple of times. I listened to a video and it was kind of like made me think. I sent it to you guys. Raf didn't watch it because, you know. Because uh, <laughs> he hates you. Yeah, he hates me. I mean, whatever. I, but I sent it to him. I, I still made the effort. But uh, Melon and I watched it, and I think there's a lot of good stuff that we can just discuss and talk about and, and kind of for you, the listeners, kind of think on it and maybe maybe toss in your own opinion about kind of where we're at. But it's more of a uh, society thing. So it was a, it's a quote by uh, Michael Hoff, and uh, I'll, just, I'll just read it. But it says, <clears throat> hard times create strong men, strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, weak men create hard times. And that's so, to me, that I think that's so true. And I like history. I like looking back at, at previous cultures and the rise and fall of them and everything else. I look at today's uh, cultures and countries and superpowers and all that other stuff. And I see a lot of similarities. Uh, it's, we're human, we're all human. Human history repeats itself because we choose not to acknowledge certain things. But I, I just really thought it was maybe a good topic to talk about as far as society, like what each one of those means, and then give our own opinions about where we think we're at right now in that cycle. So uh, we'll, we'll kick it off. The hard, hard times create strong men. What, what, what do you guys think that means? Well, I think that the the quote is out of a novel and uh, I had a bit of a read about it and that the author there, Mr. Hoff, is talking about you develop capability in the face of adversity, right? And I certainly think that there's a lot to be said for developing resilience by living life and dealing with stuff that comes up. First up, I want to say that I don't necessarily agree with everything. Mike and I have had a good little bit of banter about this offline, but there's there's something to it for sure that um, I know that I found parts of my character and capabilities that I have now that I didn't have before I had the really hard times in my life when my daughter was born at extremely prem, when my wife had uh, cancer, and I'd never want to go through those situations again. I'd never wish them on someone, but I think living through the things like that as effectively as you can, you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about life and about what to focus on. And I certainly do feel that shield, trying to shield people too much from <clears throat> the challenges in life can coddle them. And I, like, I do think that there's a thread of truth in this 
this part of it that you, you develop capability by overcoming adversity. Jordan Peterson talks about picking up the big load, shouldering the heaviest burden you can and trudging up the hill as far as you can with that load. And that, you, that that's where the meaning in your life will come. And that's where the contribution and improvement for yourself and for the people around you will occur. And that avoiding that only you shrink. I think there's some truth in that. Yeah. So I completely agree with you. And I think it's not only just true, but it's very self-evident. You, I mean, you can look anywhere. I mean, it's, I think we like to kind of romanticize the past and sit there and say, well, you know, 50 years ago, the men were, were more like were manly, right? Because they're storming the beaches of Normandy and, and they're doing all these things. But I think even this current. There's number three. Doing, Bear with us. You, you, you glitched a little bit. You're talking about Normandy. Yeah, I was just saying that, uh, you know, people like to romanticize that 50 years ago, the people back then were harder. And I think that to some degree that's true, but I think that shouldn't take away from our present because I think today there's there's unique challenges that maybe they didn't face 50 years ago that still take strong individuals, strong men and women to to kind of adapt to overcome. And there's, I mean, the examples are everywhere. I mean, I, I'll guarantee you that right now, physically, we have stronger humans than we did you know, 50 years ago. I mean, you've got CrossFitters that can do ridiculous things. I mean, there's women CrossFitters that can snatch weight over their heads like twice my body weight that I can't do, right? I mean, that's just one small little example. Then there's, um, you know, I mean, there's organizations in the military. Uh, Mike, you belong to one of them. You know, you guys are out there just doing extraordinary things deep inside enemy lines, like just putting it all out there. I mean, I just, I, I'm just, what I'm trying to allude to is that I think that every generation is going to have its own unique challenges and some people are going to like run towards it. And just like you said, Pete, like Jordan Peterson says, you're going to do the heavy lifting and others are just going to choose to not do it. Now, in terms of volume, are there more of us doing it versus trying to run away? I don't know. It really depends where you live, right? Like if you go to Iowa, I bet you everybody's running to carry the load. If you go to New York City, it's probably a little different, right? It's probably people trying to live the, the city life, which is the, the easier life you're ordering out, you're not cooking, you're not, you know, it's more of an individualistic survival type thing. Whereas, you know, if you find yourself in communities where that community bond is the strongest, that's where people are willing to put in more work because you're part of that tribe. You're part of that like, hey man, you know, I see Mike over there building his barn. I just left a 14 hour shift at the mill. I'm gonna go help Mike you know, build that barn because it's the right thing to do. And also, you know, come next season, he might help me do the things that I need to do. Right. So. So I think we're going to experience that adversity and struggle and challenges ultimately make us, make us better, make us stronger, make us uh, push through the boundaries, whether it's education wise, physically, mentally, whatever, we, we become better from facing the burden and adversity. I think we all agree on that. And Ralph, I, I just want to, I just want to qualify it though. It's only if you, if the burden doesn't exceed your ability to carry it, Mike, like any of us could be given news today or tomorrow that, you know, breaks us. Sure. All of it, all of us have a breaking point beyond which we need help from other people. You know, like there are people out there genuinely given the path that's laid out for them is extremely challenging more than anything I've ever had to deal with, you know, and I don't want to say, that you can just grit your teeth through all of these things yourself. No. But 
successfully dealing with the challenges is something that de develops character, I think is what I'm trying to say. And I, I'd like to just bring up a, a good point that I listened to a couple days ago, and it's Dr. Uh, David Sinclair, one of your countrymen, Mellon. And he was basically saying that the science has proven that not only does having, um, you know, these, these points of friction in your life good for you, it's necessary. And there's been millions of data points that have shown that over the six, you know, what is it, like 6,000 years that our species has been evolving, um, you know, there's certain things that we, that we lost, right? Like, uh, for instance, we have bigger heads, but there's certain like, uh, like, like finger strengths. Yeah, there's, there's all these things that, that, that we've evolved, right, that we didn't need as much. And uh, he talks about how a lot of like the diseases nowadays, and science has proven this, really just comes from our soft living, right? Like now we're eating multiple meals. Like we have people that are actually fighting like severe obesity, diabetes, whereas, you know, a couple thousand years ago, that wasn't even an issue, right? Like that, because you were, our body was designed to be able to run on an empty stomach for five, six days while you're hunting a big cat, right? So it just scientifically, we need to be, we need to have a life where we, let me back that up. The way he stated was we were designed to have a life of friction. That's just, and that's scientifically proven. And it, but again, he does it where, well more eloquently than I am right now, because uh, I'm actually a monkey. So it's worth, it's literally the last episode he did with Joe Rogan. And I, I please, if you're listening to us right now, I would stop this and go listen to that because you're going to walk away uh, just more intelligent on the species. And, and David Sinclair's the biologist at Harvard. He's an Australian uh, professor there, longevity and uh, cell life and all that sort of stuff, right? Go ahead there, Mike. I was just going to say, if you just listen to, to Raf saying quit our show and go somewhere else, then uh, we are going to get rid of Raf because he's not benefiting our show anymore, apparently. He's not part of the team at all, is he? He's no, really he's, working he's, he's like, he's trying to sell his uh, his other podcast that he says he has. <laughs> Actually, turn this one off and, and go to this. The link will not yeah. be in our show notes. Yeah, that, that I told you I started another podcast. I'm just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I think that's good for that one. Let's let's go on to the second one. All right. So we had hard times create strong men. The next portion is strong men create good times. I think I'll, I'll kick that one off. So I think collectively, so individually, I think we're going to progress from it. We're, we're going to become better, like all the points that we just talked about, like that friction that builds us as individuals, but also when you're part of a tribe, when you're part of a group, and that teamwork takes takes place, like Melon said, you can't do a lot of things on your own. So it brings people together, adversity and all that brings people together. Uh, it brings out the best in everybody, uh, or maybe not the best, but it raises the bar, we'll say, as far as the amount of work people put in, the amount of caring that people have for one another, because you've shared a mutual, a mutual thing. So you can relate to people more. Uh, so I think in that sense, it elevates society. I think it elevates uh, the vision of community. And you, you want to help other people because you can relate to them. So I think it just creates a better feeling like, a, hey, these are good times. Everybody's working. Everybody's nice to each other, appreciates one another. Like there's, you know, all of that. So I think that's kind of like in general what that means. Go ahead, Melon. I think that there's definitely some truth in this part as well. The capable people like create a community that functions well, that we have people like you there, Mike out protecting the group. 
We've got uh, teachers and nurses and doctors like we talked about in our last episode who inside that safe system are able to get a community thriving, right, where everyone is doing their part. And definitely that takes capable people, you know, that people with character, people with some resolve and ability to get through hard times or not defeated when things, you know, have a, a tiny wobble, they're able to make it work even when things aren't perfect. There's definitely some truth in this. Like, I don't think this one has... I'm not going to argue with this section at all. I, I agree. What do you think there, Raf? I well, when I when I read or when you guys read that line, I I just thought, you know, that idea that that kind of uh, inflicts all of us. And it's when you work something, when you work really hard at at reaching a certain goal. I think the human instinct is to just throttle back and just almost like, oh, I've arrived. I can relax now. And I think. When I so when I read, you know, hard men create good times. That's what I think of. I think you pay your dues and you think, all right, I'm going to relax now. But then that can get you in trouble. That's very true in marriage. If you stop chasing your wife, you can find yourself chasing somebody other than your wife. You know that that can be true about work. You can sit there and, and kind of rest on your laurels. You're like, I beat, I you know, I I busted my butt to to get to this position of of whatever. So now I'm just going to like I'm going to sham the rest of the next five years or whatever. But you know, all that stuff will not only can but it will backfire so i think the the message i get from that is you know just because you're going through a tough time yep by all means take a knee take a breather but don't take too long where you start to have you know like a siesta, like where it turns into a siesta so to speak the way my people like to say because then you're, you're going to lose and you're going to start regressing right you worked really really hard and now you're going to backslide and what's the point in that right like you the idea is to keep going as far as you can so what about if you were to say like parents, like capable, a capable set of parents, like to obviously not make it just about men, but strong and capable parents create good times. Like they create a family environment where children can thrive. The mother is strong and capable and she knows what she can do. A husband and wife or the, the couple, the parents are able to rely on each other. They know that they're able to deliver and then, You've got an environment there where the children are going to thrive. That family is going to boom. Those little kids are going to grow up seeing examples of masculinity and femininity. They're going to be able to speak their mind. They're going to learn in a safe environment. Go ahead, Mike. Two, two things pop in my head. One is you and your family, Melon. Um, recently, you know, we've talked about that. And you make it a point of like, you want everybody in your household to do their part. Everybody feels responsible. Like you, like as small as it was, you told Michael the other day, or Cherry did. And she's like, you're going to do your own laundry. And he's like, huh? You know, like, but now he's contributing to the household and therefore everybody will be better because everybody can help each other out, do each other's jobs if, if, if required. And it just raises, Raises productivity, anxiety goes down because you know that you're there for one another. So that's good. The other point is the military. Everybody always says like our best people are in the military. You know, they, they represent Australia. They represent the United States, you know, wherever. And it's just like, they're our best. Well, why are they their best? Well, because you go through adversity at the beginning. You know, they talk about breaking you down from who you were and then, and then building you back up. Well, how are they doing that? They're putting you through adverse conditions, through making you ask for help, making you use teamwork and figuring out, hey, everybody has a purpose and a, uh, everybody needs to go the same direction and work together in order to achieve a certain goal, like no matter what it is. And I think those are two prime examples that we that everybody should focus on is family 
and how you can make your your household uh, feel like that. But then also look at look at the military and the, especially the guys who've gotten out and they've kind of lost their way. And don't forget what you learned. I've said that before, but like don't forget the framework that you learned in the military. Is teamwork is everything in civilian life or whatever whatever you end up doing. Uh, teamwork is everything and build your build your tribe, your community and, uh, you know, rely on one another in order to keep going and achieve a goal because it works in everything. I was going to say when you said the U.S. and Australia, you forgot Mexico, but I had nothing else to say after that. Mm. <laughs> it's funny with that little point about Michael and Michael and Annie both doing the dishes now. Michael is also he's got to keep the fridge stocked with milk because he goes through a lot of milk. And I we drink a lot of soda. And so he's got to now get, that's his next job as well. And he, he just bowed me up and he's like, dad, you went through like a carton and a half of soda. The other day. I was like, Hey buddy, what can I say? It's hot. Yeah. So, it's- but little jobs, honestly, little jobs that they learn in Annie's, uh, the school for the vision impaired in South Australia, they have a separate class that they run as well as the maths and English and everything else. And it's called independent living skills. And you need to learn these things you need to you need to be taught them, and it's a bit more difficult, obviously, if you're vision impaired, so you don't see how mum prepares the food or does you know dad does the chores around the house or whatnot. So they have to take the time to really teach them. But there's something in that that you need to be teaching independent living skills so that people you know self care is a thing. You got to be able to look after yourself before you're ever going to be able to have a surplus and take care of anyone else. So that is definitely a thing that we put in in our household that we are all contributing, as you said, Mike. Well, in the United States, it's called home ec, home economics uh, when you're in school and everybody laughed at it. But I think it's actually probably one of the most beneficial, realistic classes that you could probably take, because like unless you're going to be a very specific job, like a scientist or I, I don't know, you could get into the weeds. But general living is like balancing, balancing your bank account, how to cook food, how to work your way around and create stuff like maybe shop or you know, just doing stuff around like basic living skills. Like that's what I think should be pushed more in, in the education system is exactly what we said, independent living and not having to rely on other people in order to get what you need, you know, because everybody just grows up and then you're, you're, you're a slave to the system because it's like, well, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get my own things. I don't know how to pay for anything. I don't know how to balance my own account. I don't know. How, you know what I mean? It's just, why don't you learn? Like, yeah. but if we're, but if you're not learning, like I'm a big proponent of this, I can't blame you if you, if you were never taught it, you know? So I can't blame you. Like, I'm not mad at you. It's just like, well, you just never learned about it or you never went through it. So like, you got to expose your kids, right? You got to allow them to step into the place as you back off and as their capability increases and you're letting them take more of the load until they're able to do it on their own. And you're able, you're there right there to help them when that loads too much or they stumble. Because it's a terrible thing to learn that at 18 or 20 or 21 or 24, whenever it is that that safety net moves. In the same way that they talk about in aged care, you only take over what that person can't do for themselves. You don't do one thing more than that person can do because they will let go of that and they really drop off rapidly in that situation. And so, you know, they have to have some restraint, those carers, and they're trained how to do that. And you, you literally, you don't help the person down the stairs if they can do it themselves. You don't help feed them. You know, you you leave that to them. They maintain the capability a bit, bit better. Yeah. You're going to jump in, Raf? Well, I was going to say the whole thing about just letting, especially just because we're talking about children, we're talking about Michael and Annie. 
um, and I'm just obviously I'm thinking about Soren. Um, I think it's really important to let them fail and let them fail often and let them fail big, because I think the the bigger my failures were, I felt like at the time it stung, it hurt, but I was so much better down the road, right? I mean, it might have been six months later, a year later, but I would look back and thought, holy hell, I really went for the moon on that one. I didn't land it. <laughs> I, I didn't make the landing. <laughs> but, but, I, but I mean, like, just it gave me a sense of like pride, right? It's like, man, at least I had the cojones to, 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 to get, to get after this. Right. I mean, I'm, and I'm talking, I'm not talking military service. I mean, college education. I, dude, I probably have three classes that I just bombed and I had to withdraw from just so I wouldn't get the F. So I had to come back and do it again. Calculus is one of them. Organic chemistry was the other. Um, and just, but there's other examples in life, right? So fail often, fail big, man. And the younger you are, the bigger your failure should be. And I really believe in that. And I know that Dr. Jordan Peterson is a big proponent of that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm winning at that one, boys. <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say you're you're a really good example of that because I look at you, I'm like he's just a loser, but but I'm like proud of you. I want to just I want to pat you in the head. First, I want to put a helmet on you, and then I want to pat you in the head. Perfect. Well, you brought up some points already, which is we're gonna shift into the next par- portion of that. So just recap: hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. And now the next portion, Rafi, uh, again. Good times create weak men. So, Raph, I'll let you kick off that because you kind of already alluded to it. But the siesta, yeah, the siesta, yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly the siesta. I mean, like you, you have obviously you have to live a life of friction. That's what our bodies are designed for, right? We're not designed to just lay in bed eating bonbons, drinking martinis. As much as we love doing that, it's just our bodies aren't designed for that. We are going to waste away. That's why diabetes is a thing. So that's it. So that should be, um, I don't know if I want to say, call it an alarm or call it like a, uh, like a, a warning sound of some sort, but I mean, you have to always keep them in the back of your mind. Like, you know, as you're dredging through trying to achieve whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, you should absolutely like, and I think Mike, you talked about this before where it's okay to stop, take a breather, look around, admire the scenery, be like, Hey, yay for me look around to see who else you can help pull along or push in front of you and then, and then keep going. Cause if you just take a knee, you might not want to get back up, right? Like, man, I, you know, I'm here and I just, there's, and I've seen those examples. I'm sure you guys have too in the military where, you know, guys and gals that kind of rested on their laurels. And it's like, I call them uncle Rico's because they did something back in 82 and they just won't shut up about it. You're like, dude, we get it. It's I, get, I, get, I get it. You were in the war in 82 and you, and you want all the games that football, you know, if, if coach had put you in, you would have, you would have won state. Like, dude, we get it. Move on. Right. Like, thank you for that. What are you contributing right now? Yeah. It's like they say in, in sales, right. You know, that line about you're only as good as your last sale. It's like, no, 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 no. You're only as good as the next one. You know, like, don't tell me, I don't need to know. I know that for, for me personally, I'm like my worst self. If I'm on the couch for more than like a couple of hours, if I'm, if I've got like a couple of days doing nothing already, I know like there's something inside me. I'm sliding, you know, I can, I can feel you've been talking physically rough, you know, like your body is designed to work and I a hundred percent agree. And I really feel like character ethic is the same thing. You know, like you need to be taking on th- challenges. We just have to, you know, like there's a reason why the hero myth is in every human culture, you know, about the hero going out to fight the dragon, rescue the maiden, bring back the treasure for the village and to grow the community. There's a, that's in our 
in the in the the way the the brain evolved. It's right in there, and we we have to be challenging ourselves. And I've thought about a life going home from here and perhaps not flying anymore. And I just know that there's not going to be any, there's no retiring. Like that's a terrible sitting on the beach, drinking martinis is like a great idea when you're really working hard and it's something to look forward to and you do it for a day or two. And then you're back, you're on the next challenge, right? Like a weekend or maybe a well-earned vacation for sure. But if you're doing that, like if, if you're uh, like, the dude in the big Lebowski and you're wearing a dressing gown down at the, <laughs> <laughs> at the seven 11 getting milk and writing out a check for 71 cents. Like there's something has gone wrong. You have been on vacation when you did, you know, there's a, there's a curse I think in China about Chinese curse about having the reward when you didn't earn it. And it's like, that's a curse, you know, like the lotto winners often blow the whole lot and have a terrible life afterwards. I agree. You got to get. You got to keep getting after it. Well, I don't necessarily think that good times create bad men, though. So here, here's some for you, Mike, because you you're around this more than we are. There's a lot of sports that famous sports athletes that come from humble beginnings, get all this money, but they never were given, like, uh, how, how do I put it? Like they were never given like life skills to be good people, and so they end up doing terrible things. And you're like, how? And I guess uh, Michael Vick is one of the guys that I think about because here's a multimillionaire and he's having like these brutal dog fights in the back of his house. I'm like, you're a multi, like, what are you doing? Like just, you know, having these dog fights in your backyard. And it's, it's crazy. Cause I remember seeing the pictures of this like beautiful mansion and there's like chain link fence in the backyard. And it's just, it's with these, you know, where they had the dog fights. And I just thought clearly this guy, somebody like he was, gifted athletically but he was failed at so many levels in life where he just didn't like learn the basic fundamentals of being a human being right like where i mean he he think about what he could have done if he was like an actual like a good person and he like was helping people maybe not monetarily but was going back to the inner city going hey man i made it out this is what you need to do go to school be a scientist be it i mean just there's all but instead he was you know a victim of his circumstance so to speak but again it's one of those where he, he uh, like you said, the Chinese curse where he won the prize, but he didn't earn it. So Yeah, I, I've i been around people like that. And it kind of, I, I wrote down just now, actually, kind of a thing about myself that somebody said to me. But what you're talking about is is getting to a goal or, or reaching where you want to go. And then you reach it. And then you're kind of like, ah, I can sit back. It's, it's like there's some type of, uh, you know, once you reach it, you're safe. You know, you're never going to regress. You have this feeling, ah, I made it. I'm good. You know, uh, for professional athletes, for example, okay, uh, or, or anybody, I'm not impressed by money. Like, I really don't care how much money you have uh, because I've seen plenty of examples where people are stupid rich and just show off everything, but their people and human skills are garbage. Um, what, a perfect example is like for me is like LeBron James. I don't watch basketball. I'm not a basketball fan, but his face is on everything. He's a billionaire or whatever he is. Everybody knows him. The thing I do not like about him is he will run his suck, talk about everything like he's this big thing. Well, he just got it. I, again, I don't watch. I just see clips, but he just got his ass kicked in the, in the playoffs and he walks off. He walks off the court with like two minutes to go because they were just getting crushed and walked back to the locker room. Didn't shake anybody's hand, showed no sportsmanship, no no respect, 
know anything. He was a, a crybaby. He didn't get his way, and he walked off and was like, ah, it's all about me. Wasn't there for the rest of his teammates who stayed out there and did the right thing. Like, I don't care how important you think you are, what you've achieved in life. If you can't walk up to a person, look them in the eye, shake them in the hand genuinely, and be like, it's nice to meet you. This is me, you know, and just and, and be a good human being. I could care less about meeting you. Uh, so that, that's my portion on that. For my personal experience, when I when I got promoted, uh, what, a year and a half ago, two years, oh, oh, holy hell, uh, somebody came up to me because you reached this position and they're just like, dude, you made it. You're safe. You ain't got nothing to worry about anymore. Like, this is a huge deal. You could just do what you want now. And my first reaction to it was like, on what planet? You know, like, there's a reason I got to here. And there's a reason I got to achieve this this rank in this position, but it wasn't by sitting on my ass and 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 just doing me. And I was like, I see it as complete opposite. Now that I've reached this goal, it's not time to sit back and chill. Maybe take a breather is is okay because. And correct me if I'm wrong. Anytime I'm in a in a team environment or a family or anything else, there's fluctuation between everybody. So I might be firing on all cylinders. One day, and the per the three people that are next to me are like 50, 70, and 85%. And then the next week is I'm down around 70 because I'm tired, I'm beat down, I got stuff going on, and they're firing on all cylinders. But the whole point is we're all coming together uh, in order to raise each other up and help. And if you don't do that, you get too comfortable. And, it, and your good time that you're having is going gonna, is gonna to slowly erode away. What I mean by that is if I was to sit and tell you, hey, for this year, you don't have to worry about food. I'm going to bring it to you every day from the grocery store and you can just sit back and you're good to go. You don't have to worry about anything. Three months into it, the food stops coming. There's nothing going. You don't know how to hunt. You know how to get your own food. You don't know how to whatever. Your good times are over. Therefore, you, you start to become, as the this poem says, weaker because you're not able to provide for yourself. You're not able to provide for your family. And when you can't provide stuff for other people, especially yourself, you start you start declining and everything starts coming down. And then you don't appreciate other people because, well, you're not helping me anymore because I have to do this. And, and it starts going down and, and it gets very gray. Go ahead, Melon. My point around where I've seen this quote used, where they're sort of talking about like, back in the day, everyone was strong. And then we had this great boom times. And now everyone's living the good life and we're all becoming weak. And therefore there's a fall coming for like civilization sort of thing. It is like where I see this quote used at the moment. Mm -hmm. My point is success doesn't necessarily lead to failure like the ability to generate a surplus or the ability for a community to have people like you in it, Mike, who get after it every day and train hard. I don't see any reduction in that. I don't, I don't think it's inevitable that having success today leads to that decline, that there can be the people in life who generate a surplus. They first take care of themselves. They're not a negative on everyone around them. They're at least baseline. Then they start to have some positive excess that they're able to start helping other people rise up. And then as that excess increases, they're able to make a bigger and bigger contribution. Entrepreneurs who innovate and solve a problem for people 
the more people they're solving a problem for, the more success they have, the more families they're employing. And these things happen too. And I don't necessarily see evidence other than when I see these online arguments about intersectionality and wokeness and the left and stuff. I don't see any people like that. Now, it might just be where I live and the, the circle around me, but I don't see a reduction. I don't see children that I'm like, you know, your parents are bringing you up wrong. You know, I'm like, I see good people. I see good kids. I see young people in the military and police and in community and business who are getting after it. And I, I don't, I know that it can be tempting to say everything's so soft now we've become weak and, and therefore we're going to fail tomorrow. And I don't subscribe to it because I see a strong society like in the US producing people like you and people like you are in my country as well, who are strong and capable and able to protect people and are, are willing and do reach out their hand to help the people around them. So this is where my point of like, I, I wasn't really agreeing with, the thrust of where this can be taken if people want to like twist it to a narrative. Sure. I do agree. You've got, you've got to guard against that and successful parents who instill that success in their family. Like there can be intergenerational success that happens when people learn that ethic and they learn those values. And that's, I just, I'm just like, I don't subscribe to success breeds failure. I'm like success, whatever, put it in the back pocket, get your eyes on the goal and go again. Something you brought up is, understanding that what works for you and your community or maybe you know for, for states example like new york city versus growing up in like you know nebraska or something completely different right so one thing might work really well but understanding that like hey this works really well for where we live and what we do we're a farming community we're all tied together but the people in new york city are completely different so their definitions of success and everything else is completely different and everybody's wired differently we have different talents you know whatever so i i, I tend to agree with you as well mel and just you know, everybody has their peace and, and you have the choice in a free Western society to move to that community and, and apply your strengths and, and, and progress. So I think I think you're hitting it on the on the head right there. Uh, but at the same time, I do think as far as society goes, so I look like right now, as far as weak men, there's not a lot of grown men. Okay. That's, that's such a thrown thing around. It's like, I'm a man. All right. What is a man defined as, you know, a man defined a hundred years ago was completely different. 500 years ago was completely different. You know, it's like, what is a man? Well, you go out, you hunt, you provide for your family, you build shelter and, and you kill anything that tries to come towards your family. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, there's a wolf. Well, I'm going out to kill it with my bare hands or a, a, a weapon or something like that. Like that was a man as you took care of your family today. There's so many different variants of like, what is a man? Is it the guy that stays home with and protects his family and, and works and, and spies it? I believe. Yes. I, I don't think that standard has changed um, for, you know, biblical reasons and, you know, just um, good, healthy prospects. But now you got guys that are just like, well, I'm just going to have kids and not, not, you know, I'm going to get you pregnant and leave. They don't come into the children's life. And, and, and I saw a quote the other day real quick before I turn over, Melon, is just it says whatever, whatever you don't teach, whatever you teach or don't teach your son, you didn't teach your grandson. So it's like it's like you said, the generational thing. 
And if we're not passing it on now and understanding that healthy, that healthy bond and like what we're supposed to be is we're going to, we're going to digress and that's going to get lost in our timeline and people aren't going to retain it. I think that there's always been the people who would have the parent who'd abandoned the child or the, the person who would shirk and not put, put in that there'd be people who would prefer to sponge off the people around them and take and not contribute. I just, I think it's something that is well worth being aware of and guarding against and uh, raising children and instilling values in people around you that, that these are things we've got to be careful about. But I think it's the same. Like I, I think in the seventies, it was the same. There were people sponging off and there were people putting their hand up and there were people lending a hand and that you go back. If you keep going back two, 300 years ago, there was always people looking for, a, you know, those old myths about the grasshopper and the ant and, you know, the hardworking ants and the grasshopper who just wants to sponge. Like that stuff has been passed down to us. You know, wise people saw this stuff back in the time of the, the ancient Greeks. This is my point that it's always been there. The threat is always there. And that the societies that succeed, we have the innovators, we have the creative types who aren't necessarily, you know, coming out of the military, but they're the ones who are coming up with innovation and new ideas and we need them. And then we also need the people, the hardworking industrious types who are going to get those businesses to run once those ideas are out there and implanted and so on. And well, that's the beauty of our society is that we do have that mix, but I a hundred percent agree. You've got to guard against, you know, the siesta that can extend for a couple of years if you're not careful. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we'll move into the next part here. Um, all really good points. Uh, good times create weak men and then weak men create hard times. So I think we, we kind of already brushed into it because it, it, this poem feeds into it, but you know, once you start digressing, things start getting dropped, whether they're ethics, values, uh, mont- you know, it, freaking daily mantras that get up and just go to work and, and grind. It's just like, ah, you know what? I don't really need to work that hard today. I'll work seven hours instead of eight. And then, you know, the next week it's, ah, I'll do six, you know, I'm still comfortable. I, I, I can make it through. I'm good, you know, and everything starts declining. And when that attitude, I mean, you, you've heard that before, a negative attitude can express spread like a brush fire and you got it. You got to extinguish that shit. You know, you catch it and you sniff it out. It's like, no, 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 no. Especially in my community. If you even, you even try to start talking that shit, I mean, you literally get extinguished because you're going to get a bottom sample out of the, out of the Cyclops and go down into the water and uh, freeze your ass off. So yeah, you'll get corrected real quick. There ain't, there ain't no room for that. Um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly believe uh, just in general, uh, if you don't practice the hard, you, you will get soft. And like, I think that this is true in the individual case, right? Like, I think anyone who gets comfortable not doing anything or they're like, they're waiting for everything to line up. They're waiting for that perfect day. They're waiting for their feet to come out of the bed and hit the carpet and the, the sun to shine through the window and everything before they'll take action. They're going to be doomed, right? The procrastination, we all want, we all want to sit like, Evolution says, take the energy, get the food in, don't expend any energy, take it easy. But that's not going to get you through winter, right? And, and that's, that's the truth. And if, if you do get comfortable doing nothing, if being bored becomes okay, <laughs> I've heard that as a, as a description, you know, you, when you're okay being bored, like that's a real grim sign, right? And it's not going to feel good inside. You're not at the end of the day going to bed having that, healthy feeling of like that's an honest 
your head has hit the pillow and you've earned that rest or you know you you sit down on a Friday afternoon and that icy cold frothy that's spilling over your hand as you're looking at the sun setting is just something so sweet you know <laughs> well that, that, that's taking a knee that that's that's resting real quick and there's nothing wrong with that and but, rewarding yourself for yes. the effort and the achievement right yeah. like at the achievement more than the effort like if all the effort didn't achieve anything I'm like well the beer stays in the fridge sort of thing you know yeah I was you're gonna jump in yeah, I was sitting the other day and like I'm running training and dudes are running around shooting at nighttime, like whatever. And then I took a break the next day and I'm sitting there. I came in. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go sit out by the by the pier and just kind of just take it in. There's a nice sunset. And I was just drinking some water. And I was like, man, this is nice. And I felt really good for about 10 minutes. And then I just see one of these guys sprinting because they forgot something. So he's in full gear, just sprinting. And in my head, I'm like, why do I feel messed up for not sprinting next to him right now? <laughs> you know, it was just like, I automatically felt like I was wrong because I see somebody out there working harder than I am. And I was just like, why aren't I? But then I'm like, nope, nope, nope. It's okay. I can rest for a minute. I can do this, but I, I already know that I'm going to get right back at it here shortly. You know, well, and a rest, a rest is a thing, right? A rest is a genuine thing. Like an R and R recreation, recreation, like taking a moment, appreciating what you've you've uh you've built or having a, a thought a, a moment of gratitude for the opportunity you've been given mm-hmm. but that's different you know a rest rather rather than not starting something right right go ahead raf you've been waiting yeah i mean i'm agreeing with both of you so it's not like i'm going to add anything more of value um yeah the rest is important because you know that if you don't get sleep i mean literally you'll die right that's one of the few things that we actually, like you can go 30 days without food. Um, I'm sure Mike will challenge my assessment on sleep, but you know, if you don't get a good night's sleep over a long period of time, you, you're gonna shorten your, your lifespan pretty pretty drastically. There's a lot of science that proves that. You'll lose your uh, hair. And then it's, what's that? You'll, you'll start to lose your hair too. Yeah, yeah. And look at how full my hair is and look at <laughs> your hair. Interesting. Um, no, man. And then just the other thing, too, the irony of the whole thing, because while you guys were talking about, you know, how kind of talking about the fact that we're designed to do work, to do to, to just do these amazing feats. But the irony of the whole thing is that we have a mind that has been designed to protect us from ourselves that literally tells you, hey, man, sit down, take a breather. Hey, man, don't work today. Just go lay on the lounge on the beach. Hey, I mean, like it's it's this constant. I don't know if it's a yin or a yang, but it's this constant counterbalance you're trying to put into balance or maybe out of balance, depending on which direction you want to go. And I think what ultimately what comes down to is your constitution, right? It's the constitution that you developed over your own life experiences, who you were surrounded by. Uh, I was very fortunate to have my dad, who's an extremely hard worker. And so, I, I mean, since a young kid, I've always just been doing stuff. Um, and so, you know, I'm like you, Melon. If I, I know that if I sit down for a couple of days, I'm going to be a total dirtbag. I know that I am. And then once I hit the bottom of that, I'm like, okay, I got to get off my ass and I got to go do stuff, right? Because uh, I know deep down inside the constitution that I was, that I was given was that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more valuable to my society when I'm capable of better things and, you know, I'm better than I was yesterday. Whereas if, you know, and I, and I want to bring value to, to you guys in my community, right? That, that's what keeps my, my pilot light going, so to speak. So I have a question for both of you, since you're both fathers. I, I grew up hearing, you know, like I, I grew up, I had to work for everything that I had. 
my parents did give me some gifts and, you know, for Christmas or my birthday or whatever, like, of course, but majority, I had to go out and work for everything I had. How do you guys feel about when you hear, you know, a person that grew up and struggled most of their life and they had to work their butt off to get where they're at. They come into, you know, a lot of wealth and then they say, well, I want to give my kids everything that I never had uh, and just give it to them. I, th I think that's good and bad, but I'll let you guys answer it because you guys experience it. So I had a really great, that, uh, that, this is a great question, right? Because this is the human urge to provide and uh, look after and nurture, you know, our, our little babies. And we should all have that urge, right? But I had a really great conversation when, when my daughter Annie was born, probably in about the day 15, she's about to have surgery, moved to the surgical unit, neonatal unit, and is about 460 grams. So she's right on one pound. And I was just sitting there having a, a bit of a tough day. And a big bloke, just like me, walked over and put a newspaper next to me and walked back and sat down. And he didn't say a thing. And I just read the paper for a little while. And later he and I became best mates. Shout out to Mike Safi in Perth, uh, ex-army guy. We just hit it off. And he and I would talk about just parenting and I was, it was my first child and he had a daughter who was already four and he talked about not wanting your children to miss out on anything, but he didn't just limit it to what finances could provide. He would always include emotionally from him as a father and time. He would always include that when he talked about, I don't want my children to miss out on anything and the opportunity to grow and challenges and to the opportunity to develop resilience are included in everything, right? Like if you are there as I'm a helicopter or the steamroller in front of them, trying to flatten the world so that there's never a bump under their feet rather than equipping them with, you know, giving them a pair of sneakers that they can get on and get on with it themselves. You're going to handicap that child, that adult that you're growing, how capable are they going to be? And I really took a lot out. In this moment, like really, it was a really hard time. You guys know all about it already. We've talked a lot, but that idea that not wanting to miss out on anything is not, and I think you're you're an impoverished person if you think it's only money that can provide the things that your children need the most, and that emotional availability and time are a thousandfold going to bear gifts in that adult's life and probably the grandchildren, as you touched on, Mike. Yeah, no, I, and, and I, I'm letting you guys answer because, you know, I'm not, I'm not a father yet, but you guys are giving me tips right now. And like, I'm going to remember this stuff. So God willing, my time comes to, to do that. Uh, you know, these are things that I'm going to retain and practice. So uh, I'm listening. Yeah. I'm a listener. How about you, Tia? Yeah, go ahead, Raph. No, I, I mean, I think you put it so eloquently that I, I really, I agree with you a thousand percent. And I, I once told Aubrey that I, that Soren will never know how much we're worth, but I will absolutely talk finances with him because I want because mm. I that's some, that's a language I didn't speak until I was in my mid to late twenties, and I think the younger he understands it, I think the better off, and you know as far as that part of his life will be a little bit easier. But yeah, I I want him to earn everything he gets because um, there's just so there's so much that is taught and so much that that uh, is taught in value. As a matter of fact, I think one of the it was Liz Boggs who said this. I think uh, I think I heard it through James, and and uh, or maybe she wrote it somewhere. But I remember I know Liz wrote it or said it. She basically said that the reason she puts her kids in sports 
is not because she wants short stack or you know kenners to be these professional athletes it's because she knows that um the skill set that they're going to gain just in life right when they want to quit when they're tired when when all these things like these things are stacked up against them what sports teaches you is that you can continue to go right i mean think about all the times as a wrestler as a football player rugby where you're in pain where you're tired you're, you're cold you're hot there's all these excuses why you should stop but you didn't stop right whether it's for the love of the sport your admiration for your team the point is as an individual you learn hey man i can i can be tough right so that will translate to and i just thought man that's so brilliant you're right it's not just about scoring a goal and look hey look how good i am it's literally about teaching the kid about grit and just their own kind of um understanding of what they're capable of right what they might have not thought they were capable of doing before so shout out to liz boggs i love you yeah whatever james <laughs> no that thanks for the answers guys i it's, it's very nice to hear that. And, um, you know, my parents kind of raised me They my parents didn't have a lot of money, but what they did, they made it work out. Yeah. There's my dad. Yeah. He's a good guy. Minus the mustache. Somebody told me I need to grow that, that mustache. And they also said that my dad looked like Aaron Rodgers from the Packers, but, uh, I've heard that before. I don't know. I'm no Aaron Rodgers, but, uh, I'm a, I'm an iron city guy, but, uh, <laughs> so the last question is, the kind of, you know, wrap up the episode and kind of a quick reason why is I want to read this one more time. And then where do you think we're at in the spectrum? If you were to, if you were to say, or if any hard times, create strong men, strong men, create good times, good times, create weak men, weak men, create hard times. Raph, where, if, if any, where would you say we're at on that spectrum as, as a society? I almost don't want to add more to the noise and the, you know, and, and the big giant megaphone because collectively I feel like there's a divisiveness, uh, a division, I guess you can say in our country. And I think it's, and I, and I blame it on men. I think that if men stepped up and just did, did uh, more, you know, like, I, I mean, I, and I'm thinking of like, you know, most crimes are perpetuated by, by men, right? Rapes, murder, that sort of thing. And so I think about that stuff and I think, you know what? There must have been like a good, decent man with an earshot of that crime before it was committed. And yet he decided not to step up. And I'm not saying that women aren't capable, but we know that, you know, if you don't have a, a strong father figure in the household, the likelihood of you running into like a life of crime. And, you know, I mean, it's it's the, the statistics are there. It's, you know, and I have told you my own personal story or my own personal journey where I know for a fact that had it not been for my father, I probably would have followed the same footsteps that my uncle Albert followed. Okay. Um, so anyways, I think we're on the collectively and I hate to add to it, but I think, I feel like we are regressing a bit and I'm just seeing in the, cause we're quite, we're, you know, there's a lot of quibbling or whatever you want to call it over just minutia. And I just think that there's more significant things that we need to dedicate ourselves as in a society. To, to make, I don't think it's all lost for us, but I, I just think we're, we're, we've regressed a bit. I, I agree. And I think we're right at the same spot. Like I said, I like looking at history and I look at the Roman empire. I look at the Ottoman empire, the British empire. Like you can go through in all of these major cultures in our history, human history, not American, not anything else, but human history 
they all stood up and they're like, we will stand for the rest of time. We will never break. We will never falter. We're going to be here. Like the Roman empire was there a thousand years, you know, and they were spread out everywhere. So everybody had the, this illusion that we're never going to break. We're never going to anything. Everything is always going to be like this. And every single time they were proven wrong and everybody, everybody, everybody fell. Everybody was defeated. I'm not saying we're defeated right now, but if you look at history and choose to look at history and not just delete it or forget about it, it, it is in there. A lot of the same stuff is coming. So for me, I think we are in the part of good times create weak men to weak men create hard times as a society. Uh, I looked at 9-11 in my lifetime as a defining point of adversity. We were attacked. Stuff happened. The world changed. Our mentality changed as we went on the offensive. Uh, people were standing up and going over and fighting. And people back here at home had to get harder because, you know, a lot of the men and soldiers were out. Men and women were serving. I'm not you know, saying anything bad about women, but a lot of the service members are men. So the families at home had to do more work. Uh, to take care of their children and stuff, just like any other previous war in history. Um, and it kind of united us in a lot of way. Adversity it united us and, and everybody wanted to work together and figure out a way to defeat this, this, this evil and this problem. Um, that was 20 years ago this year. Now I look at it and like you're talking about, Raph, a lot of the white noise and the the little things, like people are offended because you say something. People are offended because you're whatever. And it's just like, man, 20 years ago, we watched planes fly into buildings and 3000 people get murdered on national TV. That offended me. But if you're walking down the street and you call me a name, like, I'm sorry, but that doesn't offend me because I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am. It's kind of thing. So I kind of see us in that spot right there. And there's not like those pillars, those very defined pillars that we had 20 years ago. I don't see them as much now. And also, if I could just add a caveat to what I said, you know, I'm not specifically talking about, I think that's a good point, 9-11, but I'm not specifically talking about our ability to, to sustain warfare and, and that sort of, I, I mean, I'm literally thinking about the millions of data points that we've had over the last couple of decades. You know, I'm talking about like the economy, I'm talking about the level of education, some of the things that are being taught in college, um, you know, just some of the more pol like um, politically sensitive things that are going, I'm not going to touch on, but there's you know, definitely hot topics that people get pretty, um, pretty irate about just talking a lot of vitriol going back and forth. I mean, obviously, the last administration, there was a lot of there's a lot. I mean, it's just I can go on and on. But the point is, I just see all these millions of little data points. And I just feel like they're all just these little hot topics. And it's just weird, because I think, man, you know, I felt like maybe 20 years ago, these just having a conversation with somebody wouldn't have turned into like a heated argument, but I could be completely wrong, right? Because I was also 20 years younger and I didn't know, I barely know anything now. I sure as hell knew less than. Melon. Yeah, I'll jump in as well. Yeah, like I've got a, like I think we've we've talked about a lot of real stuff and I really think about the, in, the individual is, is where the level, like Jordan Peterson talks about, start with yourself before you start pointing at anyone else. And all these challenges are in every one of us about staying the course, continuing to pick a goal and pick up something heavy and help people around you and all those things. I just want to say that when I joined the military, I was 17, 1994, and the army instructors at my boot camp tore strips off us and told us that we were 
soft little weaklings, not like back when they joined with the guys who were fresh out of Vietnam and all that. Like this is people who were training me were old Vietnam vets back in the day. When I met a couple of young army guys in Australia, just in my most recent trip, early 20s, they were just the same as the guys I joined with. And I just want to, like I would suggest that us in our environment are still meeting people who restore your faith in humanity. Some young people coming through have still got those values. So I don't want to, I don't want to be like doom and gloom. And I also would just encourage people to look up stuff like the UN um, goals for human development that have been achieved. They have actually millions, tens of millions of people been lifted out of poverty. The, the infant mortality rates in Africa now are approaching what they were in the US in the early 60s, which is just an incredible uh, thing. And it's not celebrated and it's not communicated. So it's not all doom and gloom. You always have to be on the lookout. And I th suggest everyone start with themselves before looking at anyone to argue with, have a look in the mirror. Don't be, you know, take your 10 minutes on the end of the jetty and enjoy the sunset. But when you see that guy running, think to yourself, hey, I could probably be doing some of that as well later on. But I, I, I'm optimistic is probably where I want to say. Like the, the kids that I coach in the rugby team restore my, my faith in humanity. These little, these little people who listen to me, little boys and girls. And I, I, I am an optimist. It's where I'm going to finish. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's the definition of the pillar that you were talking about. But yeah, you know, those pillars may not be real big ones, but the pillars in your circle, your community, you know, you know who they are. And I'm sure you could, everybody can stop right now and think of one pillar in their life. That's like that, that person's it. So I, I like that point, Melon. All right. So we got an intro from in Espanola for, for our friends south of the border and uh, obviously in Europe as well. If there are any Spanish speakers out there listening to us, we are stoked to see Raf is safe. We know he's, he's definitely not, taken a knee or a siesta where he is at the moment and uh we wish him blue skies and happy landings as we as uh, air crew say to each other and uh family mcfadden are lo really looking forward to getting stateside we're getting some plans together and we hope you guys out there are able to to stay safe and stay focused and hopefully get some uh joy and some a few thoughts out of these conversations so until next time take care